1: Hello and welcome to everyone with the scent of freedom in their voice, flying the flag or eating American pie. This is The Grow Show on CannabisRadio.com and I'm your host, Kyle Cushman. Today's show is about veterans fighting for cannabis reform. Here in the United States, we hear a lot about veterans, cannabis and post-traumatic stress disorder, also known as PTSD. Increasingly, veterans from across the country are raising their voices and they deserve to be heard. What are they saying? Well, cannabis works. Our guest this week is Al Byrne. Al is a Navy veteran, former normal executive director, cannabis advocate, and co-founder of two national nonprofits, Veterans for Medical Marijuana Access and Patients Out of Time. Their mission, providing the education and information vets need to transition from boots on the ground to roots in the ground. I'd like to extend a very warm show welcome, and thank you for your service, both military and civilian. Welcome to the show, Al Byrne. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Great. Thanks for coming here today, Al. You know, this is a really important interview for me as I have always considered marijuana medicine and it is extremely effective for PTSD. I'd like you to tell me what was it about your own personal experience with cannabis that made you decide to become a champion for the cause of cannabis education and legalization?
2: Yeah, sure. I'd be glad to. And while we're going to talk on that, a couple of things, just to clarify, I'm glad you used the word cannabis, because in the medical professions throughout history, the proper name for the plant, it is a plant now, not a drug, but it is a plant. It's called cannabis. Marijuana is a slang term. It's certainly acceptable, but it's not medically correct. So uh, you'll hear me talk about cannabis and what I'm referring to. Is, is the plant. The other thing is when I, you hear me talk about post-traumatic stress, that's what I will say. I will not add the D or the disorder. A number of years ago, among things I've done in my past, for five years, I was a combat counselor for Vietnam veterans, mainly in the Appalachia area of West Virginia, Virginia, North Carolina. And I worked with my peer group, the counselors who were all Vietnam veterans, different times, different places, different different services. But as counselors, we all became to understand, having been uh, diagnosed ourselves with post-traumatic stress, that it was not a disorder. Uh, Disorder is, again, it's a medical term, Yeah, and it's okay, I mean, it's a good word, but when it's applied to post-traumatic stress, I find it as a veteran, I find it damaging and demeaning and not correct, and what we like to talk to is post-traumatic stress syndrome. A syndrome is more properly applied to this problem because it is a syndrome. Disorder means that the brain isn't functioning correctly in some way in layman's terms, But what we find as veterans is that our reactions to post-traumatic episodes are very orderly. They're very regimented. They're very much easy to uh, understand, and we understand why
1: we feel and feel the way we do and deal with what we do. That's a very important distinction, and I'm glad that you brought it up. Thank you. My mother and dad were both in World War II. They were
2: both in the Army. My father was a grunt. My mother was a dietitian. They actually met in the Army, they were married in the Army, and actually married in North Africa, in Algeria, and I was conceived there. When that happened, my mother was sent home. My father spent another six years or so in the Army, and both of them came back with post-traumatic stress. Now, as a child, I that is going on, but now I do. I joined the Navy at 17. I left the Navy when I was 41. I retired as a lieutenant commander. My specialty was logistics. I did drive a destroyer for a couple of years with a bunch of other guys. I was in Vietnam for a year which led to my post-traumatic stress diagnosis. I spent about uh, seven and a half, almost eight years with the Seabees, which are the fellows that go out there were all infantry but we also build things. I found that constructive after Vietnam where all I saw was destruction. I went to the CBs and we actually built things, and that was helpful. After that, I did move into this job with the Agent Orange program, and it was co-sponsored by the VA and counselled veterans for about five years and saw this change among all the veterans that we dealt with. I had about two hundred guys over those five hundred those years, but the other folks had, of course, equal numbers, and there were dozens of the civil councils. So. What we all saw was that these guys were heavily into alcohol, these Vietnam vets. Most of them that we encountered would have stayed away from the Veterans Health Administration and the VA. Had bad, bad experiences, especially here in Virginia. It was a sad hospital situation here. It was very unacceptable. They just stayed away and they self medicated with alcohol. And we certainly learned as counselors that what we needed to do, and we did was urged them to use cannabis instead of the alcohol. In doing so, we saw the uh, another happening, is that those guys that were using prescription drugs, whether they were getting them from the VA or they were getting them from the local docs, also started to reduce their use of these prescription drugs, these pharmaceuticals, and a lot of them just stopped using altogether. They stopped using alcohol altogether. Right. <laughs> they stopped smoking. It was amazing. So, And now, the other part of my story is, of course, I'm married to Mary Lynn Mathry, we met in the Navy. She, at the time, that I was a CBE in Puerto Rico. She was a nurse in Puerto Rico, a United States Navy lieutenant. We met, we married. Mary Lynn is probably the most well-known nurse in the world concerning the therapeutic uses of cannabis. And she and I, over 20 years ago now, formed an organization called Patients Out of Time. You can find information about it at medicalcannabis.com or patientsoutoftime.org. The mission then and now is the education of U.S. healthcare professionals about the therapeutic and clinical uses of cannabis and, of course, knowledge about the endocannabinoid system. To my knowledge, Patients at a Time is still the only U.S. organization that is able to produce this education in an accredited format. Credited means that when a doctor, a nurse, a pharmacist goes to these educational forums we hold, they get continuing medical education credits, which they all need to keep their licenses active. Uh, no yes. other organization in the country does that.
1: Patients at a Time is an extremely well-respected organization, and I thank you for bringing that to the world. You've been advocating cannabis use since the 60s, and through Patients at a Time, you've been educating U.S. nursing and other medical professions about the therapeutic uses of cannabis. What changes are you seeing in the attitudes of medical professionals regarding cannabis use?
2: Bad attitude. There is a reluctance among the medical leadership the educational leadership to address the problem an indication there are one hundred and fifty seven medical schools in the united states only one which is temple university in philadelphia has a course for their incoming medical students about the endocannabinoid system and therefore the medical uses of cannabis within that system only one out of one hundred fifty seven schools talking about the endocannabinoid system which was discovered essentially almost thirty years ago And what we find as scholars here is that there is a blind spot within medical doctors, not so much the nurses, but the medical doctors. I say over and over, I'll say it on your program, the medical community of the United States concerning this issue has abdicated their responsibility and turned it over to cops and lawyers. It's crazy and it's wrong, it's unethical medically and morally, they ought to be ashamed of themselves, but they're not. And what we have determined is the reason that they are not ashamed of themselves is that they are ignorant of the facts about the endocannabinoid system and medical uses, and they want to stay that way. There seems to be an attitude among the vast majority of these folk that, I didn't learn it in medical school, you're not teaching it in medical school, therefore it doesn't exist. Now, I often ask these doctors face-to-face, well, what about the 27 countries in the world that are using cannabis medically, their doctors, their nurses, their pharmacists? What, are they wrong or something? And what about Merck? Merck is the fourth largest pharmaceutical company in the world.
1: We're just a little slow here in America, aren't we, at adopting you know, more enlightened ways of looking at
2: things? We're not slow. We're ethnocentric. We've got this... Right chip on our shoulder that thinks that we're better and badder than everybody else, and everybody else is a little bit slower and stupider than us, which is not true. If we could get over this hubris, yeah, we're just hubristic is the word. If we could get past hubris and understand that all these other people are just as smart as we are, and they're willing to contribute their knowledge and education to our society, we'd be a hell of a lot better off. Instead, we got all these cops and lawyers that think they're doctors. And in my view, I mean, it's not true. I guess legally, but these cops and lawyers and senators and guys in in the congresses in the states and our federal congress—they're practicing medicine without a license, Carl.
1: Yes, you're absolutely right. You bring up all these really good points and America, uh, imagine us thinking that we know best. Listen, we have to take a quick break for our sponsors to uh, enlighten our viewers in their own special way. And we'll be right back with Al Byrne from Patients Out of Time.
0: The Grow Show with Kyle Cushman will return once we cultivate through this short commercial break. Gondrepreneur.com,
1: your guide to the cannabis business world.
3: From high atop Mount Soldad in San Diego, California, 100 feet above sea level. Good morning. It's good news with cannabis nurse Heather.
2: This plant is amazing.
1: Positive change is happening. We did it. No matter who you are, you can make a positive impact on the world. I
0: would rather be illegally alive than legally dead.
1: And that quote helped to give you strength.
0: Nurse Heather is only on CannabisRadio.com. Good
3: morning, Cannabis Nurse Heather.
0: Time to plant some more conversational seeds. You're listening to The Grow Show with Kyle Gushman, only on CannabisRadio.com.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The Grow Show. I'm talking with Al Byrne from Patients Out of Time and Medical Marijuana Access. And we're talking about the ignorance that this world has on PTS, post-traumatic stress syndrome, and how it affects our veterans and others. In one of your most recent Patients Out of Time web broadcasts, you yourself said, how many hoops do we have to jump through after getting your legs blown off? Is the war on drugs actually a war on patients or particularly vets? Yeah, I've always seen the war on drugs as a war on
2: people. I call it a pogrom, P-O-G-R-O-M, which is normally a word assigned to like the Holocaust that the Jewish people went through, where people are persecuted because of their religious beliefs. That's a true the meaning of a pogrom. But in this case, people are being persecuted because of their beliefs of what they need to maintain their health. And the whole war on drugs is therefore a war on certain people mainly minorities and those that really can't defend themselves or just get in the wrong place at the wrong time. It's nonsensical. It was brought into being by Richard Nixon and, you know, crazies like him. We have sustained this idiocy for I'm 72 years old and I was almost born into this stuff. (laughs) And I've seen the entire society ripped apart by the war on drugs. Again, I spent 24 years in the military. A lot of that had something to do with drugs and drug and addictions and giving urine tests to Marines and sailors who were risking their lives. All of a sudden, they weren't worthy because they couldn't pass a piss test. I'm with Martin Luther King. I'm more interested in the quality of my soldier's character than the content of his urine. But we've destroyed our society. Uh, the young people today think that you're giving a urine test to get a job is how it is. I don't give urine tests to anybody. I never will, never have since I left the military. I think it's degrading and unnecessary. Right. I think that people should be judged by their performance, not what they did last Wednesday. So we have that problem to deal with. The war on drugs is a war on people. Uh, veterans right now are being treated by the commander in chief of the united states who is our president and i have respect for this man don't get me wrong but he's wrong here uh, in the veterans administration network if a veteran uses cannabis legally therefore in a legal state district of columbia maine you know colorado and the other twenty three states basically if veteran is in a legal place okay and they use that cannabis legally they jump through all the little hoops and then they go to a VA hospital, any kind of VA facility, they will be treated as veterans. They will receive good medical care. Their cannabis use will be integrated with their VA protocol. It's the way it will be. And it has been that way since July of 2010, when basically Mike Kravitz, my cohort with Veterans for Medical Cannabis Access, and I got the VA to issue a directive that said, I quote, It said in one sentence very, very quickly, cannabis is the medicine and shall be considered so by all the healthcare professionals in the VA. Now, the the Veterans Administration is not run by Congress. It is run by doctors and nurses and, and pharmacists and PhDs, scientists who actually know medicine. And they have declared it a medicine. Not only that, the Veterans Administration is the largest healthcare facility in the world. Not only that, it's part of the executive branch of the United States government. They work for the president. Well, these are all these these all sound like
1: good things. Look
2: at the that well, they should be good things, uh, but they're not because there are more than twenty-three states, and we have territories, and where veterans live in those other states. For instance, me, I'm talking to you right now from Central Virginia. I use cannabis every day, I've just told you, I've been diagnosed by the VA with post-traumatic stress. I've worked in that field for 30 years and I use cannabis to help me with my post-traumatic stress and also physical pain. If I go to the VA, any VA hospital in Virginia and say, I need help for this and that, and by the way, I use cannabis to help me with my post-traumatic stress and my pain, they call security and they escort me off the grounds. Well, thankfully, come back when I'm cleaned up.
1: Well, thankfully, there are people well, like you I mean, who are speaking out, and that's why I'm doing this show to hopefully motivate and inspire others to speak out and, and not keep silent. Well, good, um,
2: thank you, thank you again. I, we met, we we're talking offline that I thank you for the opportunity because I believe I me, mean, this is outrageous. It's unethical. It's illogical. It's nuts. I'm a veteran, and if I live in Maine, I get treated like a veteran. I live in Virginia, I get treated terribly. What the hell is that about? Yes, I, a, a friend of mine, a really good friend of mine in Vietnam, his name is Bob Jordan. He's married to Kathy Jordan. Kathy is a miracle. I mean, she has had ALS for 25 plus years. Nobody will pay attention to the reason she's still alive with a disease that kills you within three. is because she's used cannabis every day. But Bob said to me now a long time ago, a year ago or something, he said, what the hell's going on now? He said, you know, when I volunteered to go fight in Vietnam and he was an infantryman in the army, so when I went to go volunteer to fight in Vietnam, I didn't go fight for Florida. I went to fight for my country. Now because I come back to Florida, my country won't fight for me.
1: Well, we're going we're to continue to change that. I, really, I believe in my heart that this situation is on the upswing and that things will continue to get better. And at an accelerated rate, I'm confident of that. Let me ask you, what level of legalization would be enough for us to declare mission accomplished?
2: I believe cannabis should be available medically by produced and handled, et cetera, at a pharmacy-grade level. I'm a patient. I want a pharmacy-grade product. I also believe that I am a landowner or a property owner, and I ought to be able to grow my own. I think all of the above, Carl.
1: Absolutely. Growing your own is one of the most important things going forward in this legalization movement. And making sure that this medicine doesn't just end up in the hands of the big drug companies is extremely important to me, especially when cannabis can be grown basically by anybody in any environmental zone other than the poles, the North Pole and the South Pole. So that's a really important thing to bring up. You know, once cannabis is fully legalized, do you think we'll see an increase or a decrease in the number of cannabis-related clinical studies?
2: Oh, it'll go up. The world and United States research people are hungry to produce a really good science and do some research on cannabis because we're just we're in the embryonic stage of understanding what the endocannabinoid system does and can do in the brain. And people have to—I don't know if folks understand—but the endocannabinoid system that we have in our body is in every living creature on Earth except insects. The endocannabinoid system is the big kahuna here. It is in charge of our pulmonary system, of our, all, our total physiology. It runs the immune system. It does everything. So speaking- if, the, if the endocannabinoid system is running at a good speed, then everything works well. So it's a big circle here. But we don't know enough, Kyle. We don't. Even worldwide, as much as we do know, there isn't a scientist that I've met in the last 30 years that doesn't want to know more, including
1: me. And I'm not a scientist. I just want to know more about what I'm doing. You're speaking to my soul, Al, and this is really important stuff. I thank you for your work and your dedication You know, everybody knows that pain is the most commonly cited reason for the medicinal consumption of cannabis, and rightly so. Thousands of our troops have returned home with life-changing physical injuries, you know, but cannabis is also known to effectively treat PTSD, PTSS, however you would like to characterize it, and yet there are very few states in which it is a qualifying condition. So we have to keep educating and keep speaking out about the amazing benefits of cannabis. And unfortunately, I think we're out of time, Al, and just thank you so much for your work and what you've done. Would you please tell the people, give them a website or social media, how they can get a hold of you if they'd like to get some more information?
2: Yeah, the best place to go to get educational information or just information in general about the medical uses of cannabis in the endocannabinoid system is to go to I'm dropping the Ws, guys, right? But it's medicalcannabis.com or patientsoutoftime.org. Actually, at either address there, right on the home page, there is a wonderful five-part message from my wife about the endocannabinoid system, breaking that system down and explaining why and how it works and how important it is. So if you want a really quick, good briefing, that's the place to go. And, again, it's medicalcannabis.com, patientsoutoftime.org.
1: Thanks for the information, Al Byrne. Your service record to our community is certainly great. Unfortunately, we are out of time. I'd love to talk to you some more at a later date. Right now, I want to thank our producers for making this show possible. Make sure to check out my website, KyleCushman.com, where you can find out where to follow me on social media. You can find new episodes of The Grow Show by going to CannabisRadio.com. New episodes are aired every Wednesday. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Kyle Cushman. And as always, please stay lifted.
0: The Grow Show with Kyle Cushman will return once we cultivate through this short commercial break. to bonds, to personal, from life to health, and more. Contact the team at KarcherInsurance.com and let our experience work for you. That's K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R-Insurance.com.
3: Contact Karen and the team at Karcher Insurance at 1-844-421-3560. That's 844-421-3560.
1: MJWellness.com, the largest medical marijuana community in the world. Connect with thousands of patients, doctors, industry leaders, and businesses through shared personal experiences along our worldwide network. Discover new therapies and benefits with content tailored to you. Come grow your network on MJWellness.com. You're not alone. Your wellness matters. Learn, live, and thrive. Check out MJWellness.com today.
0: Most people who use don't have a problem, so I think that you need to think about policy in that way while educating people properly about marijuana. I think that's the way to go.
3: Burning Issues, only on CannabisRadio.com.
0: Time to plant some more conversational seeds. You're listening to The Grow Show with Kyle Gushman, only on CannabisRadio.com.
1: Welcome back, everybody, to The Grow Show on CannabisRadio.com. Now it's time for the final segment of the show that I call Ask Kyle. I get questions from listeners out there wanting to know the best ways to use their time and energy on their own personal grows. So here's a few questions that jumped out at me this week. Let's see. Danny H., in an email question, asks, what is the difference between top shelf and mid shelf? Well, mostly it's going to be the price, and the top shelf is generally a product that is going to be very heavily concentrated on the processing and the curing and the manicuring of the flowers. And therefore, it's going to command a higher price, but it's going to provide a a much higher smoking experience. Not necessarily too much of a difference in the actual high itself. Mid-shelf cannabis generally can get you where you need to be. just might cause a cough or two. So, you know, depending on what you can afford. What else do we have here? MJH from Twitter asks, what's the best strain to try for a first-time grower? First-time growers should definitely stay away from sativa dominance. Sativa dominance not only take longer to grow, so therefore you have a larger chance of making a mistake along the way, but they're also more finicky and they demand a much more precise growing environment and a much more precise levels of feeding and care. Whereas indicas, because they come from a harsher climate, they're kind of bulletproof. So find yourself a nice, strong indica-dominant and a first-time grower should do really well with that. If you really don't appreciate the effects of a strong indica, then try an indica-dominant hybrid, but definitely stay away from the sativas. And Kevin H in an email question asks, "I know this is a stupid question, but can I use Miracle Grow on my plants?" Yes, Kevin, that is kind of a stupid question, but I guess if I'm answering it, can't be all that stupid. Uh, Miracle Grow is a completely synthetic fertilizer that is uh, effective in growing plants. But where I might use it on my house plants, I certainly would not use it to grow consumables. I wouldn't use it to grow my vegetables and I would not use it to grow my medicine, my cannabis. So I suggest going with a well-known horticultural nutrient line such as my Vegamatrix, which I'm sure you'd be very, very happy with. Raymond R. in an email question asks, is it true that I can get more females when germinating by keeping the temperature cooler? Actually, it's the opposite is true, Raymond. Because cannabis likes a warm environment and a tropical environment, typically when sprouting seeds, you want the first week to be nice and warm, above 80, in the mid-80s to upper 80s. If it's cooler, you'll generally stimulate more males, and that's not what we want. Unfortunately, we are out of time. I'd love to talk to you some more at a later date. Right now, I want to thank our producers, For making this show possible, make sure to check out my website, KyleCushman.com, where you can find out where to follow me on social media. You can find new episodes of The Gross Show by going to CannabisRadio.com. New episodes are aired every Wednesday. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Kyle Cushman, and as always, please stay lifted.